Welcome to the Dealing with Goliath podcast. The mission of Dealing with Goliath is to sharpen the psychological edge, negotiation, ethical influence, and high-impact conversations for business leaders who want to be more effective under pressure, uncover hidden value, and build greater connection, all while increasing profitability. This is the short-form espresso shot of insight podcast interview to boost business performance using our five questions in around about 15 minutes format. My guest today is John Meese. John helps experts turn their wisdom into wealth by building a thriving online education business. He's the author of the award-winning bestseller, Survive and Thrive, how to build a profitable business in any economy, including this one, as well as always be teaching. And he writes the Sell Your Smarts newsletter at johnmeese.com. John loves helping smart professionals create a profitable product strategy based on their knowledge and expertise. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Great. I'm looking forward to diving into some of the stuff with you, John. So let's kick off. So whose is your idea? Who is your ideal client and what's the biggest challenge that they face? Yeah, my ideal client are smart professionals who've worked full-time in the same industry for years, typically five or 10 years, sometimes decades though, um, and where people, they've hit a ceiling of some kind where they're tired of selling time for money, whether that was through one-on-one services or like um, a therapist or an attorney or whether whether that was through a full-time job, um, like a finance executive, but people who've like worked in the same industry and they think, and they're they've hit some sort of ceiling in terms of that and they're tired of selling time for money. The biggest challenge they face is the fact there's typically some sort of ceiling to their income growth and it leads them to death by calendar, which is that like the only way they can be financially successful is to give away their freedom um, and they end up feeling kind of trapped. And so that's the biggest challenge they face and that's what I'm here to help with. Very good, because it sounds like they're falling into that kind of dollars per hour trap. Even if they're remunerated yeah. very well, there's still, as you yes. say, the only way to increase it is there's a little bit more in the hourly rate or yeah. you just spend more hours, right? But neither are particularly optimal. So exactly. We we all have about 2000 working hours in a year. If you think on average, you work 40 hours a week, 50, you take and a total of two weeks off a year, you know, then that's only so many hours. And so even if you're selling and you can't sell every single hour, cause you've got other things you can do that you can't charge for. Um, and so no matter what your hourly rate is or whether you take on a full-time salary, um, there's just a built-in limit and cap to what you can do. And so, you know, that's, that's linear growth that has a very fine ceiling on it. And so that's, I'm more focused on exponential growth. Um, that's Excellent. not tied to the same limits. Right. So what are some of those common mistakes that people make when they're trying to solve this problem? And I, the reason I ask this is that maybe yeah. they're, maybe they're in the weeds, you know, and they don't even realize that they're in the weeds, if you follow me. So what might yes. be some of those symptoms that they're coming up against? Some of those common mistakes? I think one of the first common mistakes people do, it makes sense. It works maybe a little bit. It's just not a long-term solution, but is raising their rates. And so whether you're, again, like it's whether you're, now sometimes raising your rates means like you're actually looking for a job that pays better. And sometimes it means you're raising your hourly rate with clients or your project fee. But the reality is it seems like a good way to grow your income, right? You're like, I just need to raise, raise my prices, you know, and it works to a point. Um, but you start running into increasingly just still the capacity issues don't go away. Um, and then, so you hit a ceiling. The second mistake that I see people make is directly related to that is as soon as they get into the interest, the idea of an online education business where it's like, Hey, let me take what I've done and let me create a product out of that, which is what I focus on. Um, most people go, okay, well, let me start like with a book or a $7 ebook or a $10 course, or maybe a hundred dollar course. 
um, or maybe $50 workshop. And they start with what I would call a gateway product. And this is the low price product. This is, it's a very common mistake. Everyone thinks, of course, if I'm going to start selling digital products, I should start with the cheapest one. It makes sense. The only problem is it takes a massive amount of work to sell a gateway product uh, and to do it, and even though it's a low price product, what that means is that you have to build a big audience around it. And so you end up suffering what I call death by a thousand eBooks which is oh, where gosh. you spend all this time and energy selling these $7 ebook. And at the end of three years, you look around and realize you just made $7,000 over three years, you're exhausted and you give up. The same story, I just see it over and over again. And that's the, that's the most common mistake people make. And that's a huge counterintuitive, as you say, because you think, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just create that little thing that will be the, as you said, the tripwire type product, right? Exactly, yes. But And are you suggesting then the better thing to do is create Maybe even just draft one or a prototype of a much bigger thing for five thousand dollars. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I think it's important to think about who we're talking to here. We're not talking about like seventeen-year-old uh, TikTok influencers who are launching an online business. I'm talking about a smart professionals who've already worked in their industry and have built up a massive treasure trove, a wealth of knowledge. People tell you you have a wealth of knowledge, they don't tell you how to cash it in. It doesn't pay the bills, but that's what this whole model is: is to say. No, you should build a flagship product first, which is a high-priced transformational product um, that's uh, like often looks like a group coaching program or a mastermind. There's different forms of that, um, but you should go straight to that because well, there's a lot of reasons, um, but one of the most obvious ones is the fact that you only need a handful of clients, a few dozen clients buying a flagship program, and you have a six-figure online education business. Um, versus, it takes you thousands and thousands of customers buying gateway products to reach that same level. And so you can do this while you're working a full-time job. You can sell a gateway product. I'm sorry, you can sell a flagship product mm. um, while you're still working a full-time job and very quickly build up a six-figure income that then allows you to transition to full-time focusing on your online education business if you wish, which is what I did. Excellent. Excellent. And so, as I said, if people are are interested in this, what might be one valuable free action that the audience could take that they yeah. could implement. That won't maybe solve that problem, but at least steer them in the right direction. So you already sure. gave us one main steer there, which is, you know, to start thinking, don't think the small, think of the flagship. Um, yes. What other advice would you have? Yeah, when you're selling a product, the biggest difference between selling a product and selling a service is that you're essentially selling a promise for a price. And so I would say, even if you still have a service-based business, um, I, the first change you can make, the first free action you can do is start repositioning what you're selling as not selling time. Make sure nowhere in any of your sales language do you talk about selling time, hours invested, uh, hours logged, any of that, and focus on selling a promise. Now, that promise has to be some sort of outcome or transformation that's important to your clients. Now, so just to give a real-life example, um, I had someone who emailed me this past week. His name is Jamie, and he was asking about this because he has a full-time web development agency. And so he charges a fee to design a website, he, you know, tracks his hours, sends an invoice, gets paid decent money. But he knows it doesn't work. He wants to get out of that trap. He doesn't scale. And so my advice to him was even while you're still selling, uh, still designing websites, reframe it as saying, hey, I want to help you replace your boring website with an automated sales system. Mm. That promise is really taking the skills that you have and putting them into an outcome uh, that's valuable. And so all of a sudden, your client's not buying you playing around with technology in the background. Sorry, playing around is probably a little dismissive. I mean, there's real hard work involved, but sure, still, the customer's not buying you, you know, punching buttons and playing with widgets in the back end. 
there, I did it again. Uh, instead of what they're buying, instead is, is the outcome, is the idea of them having this automated sales machine. And so now all of a sudden the work you do is just how you get there, but it's a selling an outcome. And so I think the first, just to, it would be just recognize that if you want to get into selling products, you can't sell the same personalized service you can with a one-to-one service. And so if you ever want to get into products, you're going to be selling a promise for a price. Well, you can make that shift immediately by just repositioning what you're already doing as attached to a promise rather than your hourly time. I mean, I'd, I'd also add, and I love that perspective, by the way, because it sounds like you're also, maybe it's just within that example, but I imagine it, it echoes out. You're able to be charged, you're able to charge up front when you move from a service. Oh, yeah. It's 90 days usually, right? You're then sort of, it's the product to buy it almost not quite in a box, but not far off. You know, what are we used to doing? We go on a site and we buy a product and we pay before exactly. the thing arrives. So, yes, that's one of the chapters. One of the chapters <laughs> of my book, Survive and Thrive, is called Build a Business, Not a Bank. Um, and that's, and that's part of my core philosophy of charging up front with services as well is that like you want to, um, you're, you know, when you're, when you're sending somebody an invoice, you know, if you're doing all the work and then sending someone an invoice and saying it's due in like 30 days, you're essentially loaning them the value of your time for like two months, ultimately, um, sometimes longer. Um, and I'm just, I'm not in that business. I'm, I'm not a bank. Banks loan, banks do loans. I don't. Uh, and so, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and again, that's just change in perception you know i'm all about reframing or being able to see how you can possibly reframe so just again to double down on that you're also having the reframe as something that needs doing versus something that's much more closely related to an roi where if you're Mm -hmm, as you say creating a selling selling machine (laughs) then that's much more indexed so potentially the the price to do it is much higher right so yes yeah in that example i mean i will say i my only caveat I'll say with that, because I get this a lot, is, is if I share an example like that, someone will say like, well, yeah, but I'm in an industry where people don't make money. So it's easy for you guys to put an ROI attached to it. But I always say like, there's always things that your customer, there's real problems, painful problems they have that you're solving and that you can solve. And regardless of whether that's in like, you know, helping people become healthier, wealthier, or happier, you have to get clear on like, what's the painful problem they have and how can you solve it? Um, and that's just a matter of, it takes a little extra effort, you know, to do that positioning work. Um, but it means that it's a lot easier to sell. It's more enjoyable instead of people asking you like, well, Hey, instead of people nitpicking the time you spent or what widgets you're using or whatever it might be, they're just, you're just, you're both aligned on the same outcome for them. Um, and then that causes them to see you as an ally rather than an expense line. Uh, and it's just exactly. more enjoyable work. Yeah, exactly. And more lucrative. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yes, that's excellent. So, so if if people are very open to moving further in this direction, what what might be one valuable free resource that you could direct people to that would help with them? Yeah, I just created this actually. So it's a free crash course. Um, if you go to sellyoursmartsonline.com, um, then you will get a week long daily series of lessons for me where I break down this in more detail that we can get into today in terms of um, what to sell, how to sell it. Uh, and so if you're interested in specifically selling your smarts, you know, turning your wisdom into wealth, as I say, uh, then that's the first place I would, I would start. So go to sellyoursmartsonline.com and it's completely free. Excellent stuff. And of course, this will be linked beneath the video and indeed Great. beneath the podcast. Uh, excellent. So what would be your number one insider principle on how to negotiate, build rapport, or connection, or uncover hidden value with clients, customers, or with counterparts? To answer that question, I'm going to ask you a question first, which is, have you watched Ted Lasso? (laughs) Of 
watched Ted Lasso. Yes. Okay. Well, the first season. So my. <laughs> so you remember the the little? Uh, it's like a card a cardstock piece of paper that they keep above Ted Lasso's Believe. office. The athletes right. believe. That is the first tip I would say, and the principle that I think is important. Um, my wife and I have actually actually talked about recreating that. I mean, it's just like blue paper and yellow tape, I think. But still, and just having that by our door too as well. But just the whole idea is like everyone's just leaning into that belief. So much of, in my experience, selling, you know, yes, I'm going to say the things like everybody said, or everybody always says, which are things like you need to care about them, you need to serve them, you need to be curious, you need to be kind, you need to be empathetic. That's all that is true. But I also think you need to believe, you need to believe in the transformation that's possible for your target customer when you're selling to them, whether that's selling to them on a call or for email, the reality is that so much of why people buy from me is because they're inspired by my belief in them and it, and it helps them take action. And I think that's something that's often overlooked is how important it is for you to just believe in what's possible. And so many people are, are not just buying your help and helping them accomplish that, but they're really buying a piece of your belief in them. Absolutely. And I, I love that. I, I have to say that was a, a very, a nicely unique point of view, as you said, that wraps in and takes in so many of those don't sell, serve and all that good stuff that we're, we're talking about. But fundamentally, it's like when I get those questions, you know, oh, how do I deal with this objection? And how do I deal with that fear that a client might have when I'm trying to close a deal? And you kind of go, you have to change your whole way of being. You have to believe they're mm -hmm. actually useful and fundamentally going to make their situation better, right? Yeah. And then you, there's a lot yes. less persuading needed, you know, because then you're talking from that place. Exactly. I, I know you asked for just one insight, but can I share one that's related Always, to belief? Yeah. I think the flip side of that is I also think it's important to spend some time. And this is something I actually coach my clients through is actually like, take some time to reflect on what is the tragedy that you're trying to prevent? Oh, because that's a great it's the, question. It's the flip side of belief, really. It's like, if someone does not work with you and they don't buy your product, they don't learn from you, what's the tragedy? And if the answer is nothing, right? If the answer is like, well, nothing very bad happens. Okay, we'll go build a better product because that's like, there are plenty of tragedies in the world for us to prevent. Um, but if you just take some time to like reflect on that, that can help just, that can help you really build that belief. So for me, I already talked about the tragedy today. The tragedy is that there's incredibly smart people who have their, they're slaving away, they're selling their time. They're just indentured servants. They've given away their calendar in return for some sort of money. And they're incredibly smart, wise people that not only, I mean, we talked about some of the, the first direct part of that tragedy, which is the fact that like their income is stuck because they're, and you know, and they're, and they've lost their freedom. But there's a deeper impact that I care about that I don't always lead with, which is the fact that like, if someone spends, I mean, right now there's probably some marriage therapist out there who's spent 30 years behind closed doors working with couples and has discovered some secret to happiness in marriage that we probably all need to hear, but they're exhausted from 30 years of back to back client appointments that next year they're going to retire, never talk it about again, and they're going to take those secrets with them to their grave. And then tomorrow, we're going to start over from scratch trying to figure out the solution to the same problem they already solved. That's a tragedy. And so when I'm trying to help someone turn their wisdom into wealth, it's not just they can make a bunch of money. I mean, yeah, I want you to get paid, but I want to make the world wiser and smarter. I want us, I want us to stop reinventing the wheel behind closed doors. I want us to share this wisdom with the world. And so that's the tragedy that I fight. You can hear me get fired up about it. And so when I talk about believe, yes, that's good, do that. But it's also helpful to know what exactly do you believe? You know, and the flip side of that is that 
I believe someone's making a mistake if they're not building an online education business, but they've built expertise as a teacher, as an educator, as a coach in their industry because they're keeping it to themselves. That's a, it's a brilliant way because it's a fantastic question to prompt that sense of mission, which again mm-hmm. then ties in, as you said, with the flip side, which is the belief. Yes. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. So, John, where can people reach out to you and find out more about you or connect with you? Yeah, well, you're always welcome, of course, to just email me or uh, that my email address is just hey at johnmeese.com. It's very simple. Um, or you can, like I mentioned earlier, if you go to that sellyoursmartsonline.com, that crash course, you get those emails from me. You can apply to any of those. And I have prompts in there too to ask you questions or give you exercises to do some of these things that I'm talking about today and get feedback on them. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, obviously I care about this. That's why I'm doing this. You hear me? Uh, I'm trying to, I believe, and I'm fighting the tragedy. So join me. And I believe that you believe. Yes, we believe together. (laughs) Yes. Excellent stuff. John, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.